Hello, my name is Rob McLeod. I'm the president and CEO of Black Wolf Copper and Gold. We trade on the TSX Venture Exchange, uh, BWCG. Uh, we are an explorer and advanced developer working in Southeast Alaska. Our flagship project is the Niblack Copper Gold Silver Zinc VMS deposit. And we also have a pipeline of exploration properties on the Alaska side of the Golden Triangle outside of my hometown of Stewart, BC. Rob, good to have you back on. It's been 12 months. Um, where have you been? What have you been doing? Uh, well, for the first half, uh, I was um, uh, I was hiding out due to COVID, but otherwise uh, I've been- the second half hiding out because of right. markets. It's, it, it's, it's been a tough uh, year. Oh, oh yeah, it, you know, having uh, disgruntled shareholders chasing you around. But you know, we've been actively uh, advancing the company to where we want to go. And um, uh, I'm particularly excited, even though I love our new block VMS project, which we uh, just recently received some permits to, uh, to drill, uh, but uh, advancing these projects um, in the Golden Triangle is what really has got me going. Okay, and, and to be fair to you, when we met uh, 12 months ago, I think we kind of Got, got to a point where we agreed that perhaps Niblack was never going to be of the scale to be of, of meaningful interest. And you were going to have to either go and buy something or find something. And I think, um, you've been busy, busy on that front. Um, so just uh, for, for my sake, last 12 months have involved you doing what? Cause you, you know, you raised money. When was it? Something about 5.3 in 2020. You've raised 5.8 in, in uh, 2021, and you just raised another 2.5. Now, just kind of keeping the story on the road, it seems to allow you to make these, uh, do these deals, right? Is, is that kind of, is that unfair? Is that fair reflection of what you've been trying to do? Well, it, no, it, it, it's absolutely fair. So Niblack is, uh, it's an advanced project. It's uh, 5.6 million tons of, of indicated and 3.4 million tons of inferred. With significant infrastructure, there's underground workings, there's, you know, dock camp uh, uh, facility, water treatment facilities. These advanced projects do have, the, the, to be honest, uh, they can have a high burn. You know, it's not just an exploration property. So you, you have the costs that are associated in, in particular. This project was idle for 10 years. So we needed to replace pilings in the dock. We needed to rehabilitate the underground. Uh, we needed to put in a new camp to set us up for, for, for future success. But it was also uh, based on our first two rounds of drilling. We had tremendous success based on our, our new geological model. And then we're like, okay, let's, let's give her, let's really grow this thing. We can see a potential how to get this project to 30 million tons. Let's be set up in an opportunity to do that. So as it stands right now, you know, the other thing that's happened is metal prices have gone up. Maybe they've fallen back a little bit over the past couple of weeks. But, you know, the, the sensitivities of high-grade underground projects uh, to, uh, to, to metal prices are, are pretty highly leveraged. Well, so, but last um, time we were talking about, yeah. you, you talk about, what I'm, trying, what I'm trying to work out is like, you know, the, the thought process in the head. You, you were really honest with me last time and said, like, we, we, we know this isn't perfect, but it, it's something. And at some point it may have some value, but we know what we need to go away and do, right? And you've, like I say, you, you raised a chunk of money in the middle of last year and you just recently raised a little bit more, probably not in a market that you, you, you wanted to because the cost of that money is going to be, well, more than it was. Let's put it like that. You're at 117 when we spoke last time. You're at 40 cents now. Um, just the nature of, of the market and everyone's in the same boat. But 
the, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in that sort of transition from trying to retain and sell the kind of the value component to Niblag, but knowing that it probably didn't have the legs to go the whole way. And how do you go about finding the types of deals and types of projects which you think could be better, right? Because that's that's the name of the game, right? So talk talk to me about that. A hundred percent. And, you know, it's, uh, uh, look, look, you know, based on my, my recent experience, we all look to learn from what we've done well in, in, in previous roles and, and what we did not so well. And, you know, in, in my past company, uh, which was called idea mining, which was recently, which, or sorry, not so recently now was acquired in, uh, uh 2018 by Ascot resources. The, the deposit was, too small to really capture the market's attention. And, you know, where what you're alluding to is certainly what's part of our long-term vision is these projects that, you know, don't have the big scale really to get, you know, the multi-billion dollar leverage that a lot of the majors are looking for is, uh, is how, how can you change that sort short of making new discoveries? And so what is our long-term vision is to combine Niblack with other, other deposits. So have we been making progress there? Yes, but nothing has been signed. You know, one, one of the projects we'd look at doing is uh, our opportunities is to find a mill site that uh, will be able to take Niblack ore that is located close to Tidewater. Niblack's got a great location right on the ocean. And so we have identified uh, sites in Canada that, that have permits. And if we can take the ore there through marine transport, which is commonly used in the forestry business and aggregate business using barges and combine it with other, you know, deposits that aren't quite there either in Southeast Alaska or Northwest BC, you have a tremendous business model. And so, you know, the economics do work. The, the stakeholders see, you know, would you sooner have multiple mines and multiple tailings facilities, or would you sooner see multiple mines and one mill and tailings facility? But, that, but, so, that, but that's my point, Rob. You know, again, from from last time out, we we, we talked about the barging, and, and it's kind of fine, right? But it, it's it's of a type, it's of a scale, and yeah, you can make it work. But the more moving parts there are, the more think more things can go wrong. And you know, you you knew the type of project that you wanted to go after. So I'm so I'm more intrigued about what did that profile look like. What have you done about it? What are you going to do about it? Because you've raised some money and you've always, well, sorry, you've raised some, you've announced that you're raising some money. I don't know if it's closed yet, but um, you, that's going to be used to, to what end? What have you been selling on, on that front? So you can still have a long-term vision that is about development, but like, look, you've, you, you've seen the markets. What moves stocks now? Do development stories? No. Development stories are the worst of the worst. So do we want to do that in this market? No, you have to pivot. And so what does somewhat move? Exploration. And so as we've, you know, looked at, we, we have looked at uh, lots of other M&A opportunities, but trying to get that right fit that will protect the value for our shareholders. We've got good structure with only 31 million out. No, we, 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 we did not pull the trigger. Uh, will we in the future? Absolutely. Because this really, really makes sense on so many levels. So pivoting, what are we going to do is we are going to drill. And, you know, like 
Niblack is it's of a good size. It has tons of potential. You know, we we think that we can double or triple the size uh, of the ore body down the road uh, through uh, uh, through good focused exploration. And the other is being opportunistic. That's why we went out and we staked rather than acquired, you know, these four new properties in, in Southeast Alaska. And keep in mind in federal lands in the United States, these are expensive claims to stake and maintain. It's one of the reasons why there's been no modern exploration is because we've had to go out and stake hundreds and hundreds of federal claims. And there, there, there is a cost to that. And uh, what has that uh, brought us? Well, it's the opportunity to hit it out of the park. And so pivoting towards exploration, but still in mo most of our big shareholders uh, and investors still like and are in that stock for the long-term uh, vision. But what's really going to move it? It's results, man. You know, it's, it's, it's not having a great vision. It's going to be people want to see rock in the box. Right. Okay. So I forgot about the Super that you raised in December as well. So it, it, it's, it's going to burn burning through cash because it's, well, I'm not quite sure why, but do you know what you've got to do now? So you say you, you've got to deliver. So you're going to start what a drill program? Maybe we talk start with that and then go from there. What do you plan? Yeah. On? And so just declare, since you, you're, you're, you know, to, to get, get to the point for, um, uh, for uh, uh, expenditures is again, Niblack is an advanced project. It is like a mine site. There's a big tunnel that goes a, a kilometer into the mountain and there's uh, water that we, we, uh, we have to treat and, um, uh, and, and a site to maintain. You know, there's a large dock where we had to replace some of the pilings and stuff. All of this comes with a cost. You look at most advanced projects and they, ha they, they have that. So I want, want, want to make that uh, part clear. Secondly, you know, it's uh, to, to maintain and to stake these new claims, big money. So, you know, I won't sugarcoat that aspect to working on U.S. federal claims in Alaska. It's the same if you're in Idaho or Nevada. Okay, so, so, but, so, but just, so but just on the, the, the running costs, because, you know, having this former infrastructure into an underground mine is, it, you know, on paper, it should be, uh, sound like an asset. But at the moment, with a company of your size, where have you as a 15 million market cap? And, you know, you've raised a bit of money recently, but it, it, you're kind of burning through it a little quicker than you, than you want to. So how, how do you kind of pitch that as a, an asset in a market like this? Or do we need to look further down the line? So you, you absolutely have to look at what the, the, the real value of that asset should be, which is way higher than, than, than what it is today. You know, it is where you've got, you know, millions of tons of bulk mineable polymetallic excellent metallurgy within the ground. And so, we, you know, we, uh, a year and a half ago, we were trading at a buck 50. Why? Because we we're delivering some great results. We wanted to really keep some traction and keep on going with that. But we stalled out, and so uh, because of that. COVID, or because um, of what? So uh, we uh, and you know it's you you, uh, you don't want a, a convenient uh, uh, spot to blame is with government, and in this case, it's we've been waiting for permits. Is so uh, the we made a new discovery in uh, December of 2020. We announced the results in the spring of last year, 2021, 
uh, of, you know, our highlight hole was 7.6 meters of over 10% copper equivalent, mostly in copper. You know, a new interpretation of an old mine and uh, it's wide open for expansion, but it goes on to federal claims that we needed to permit. And, you know, it's, uh, uh, it, it's the nature again of working in this area. It took over, over a year to, to, uh, to, to, to get the permits there. So uh, then what, what did we do? What else did we do on surface? Uh, surface exploration at our hydro projects. Um, we, um, uh, we went out and we made some new discoveries. And so I can't understand, understate maybe many in the, in, you know, it's never a discovery until you get a drill hole in it. But we went and worked these new claims and we discovered, as I've said, the best drill target that I've seen in my career. That's freaking something. And it's not cheap as well, too. You got to, you know, you have surface crews out there that need to go and sample and rugged train. Let's talk about so, this freaking thing, man. When you say it's the best ever, what, what, are, you, what are you seeing there now? Given you've been at it well, given your previous success, when you, when you describe something like that, you're then going to have to deliver. So you, you, you can't overstate, right? So what leads you to believe oh, this maybe is I'm awesome? The, the, heck, the heck out of it, Matt. So be, because, well, let, let, let me tell you the, kind of a little bit of the background of it. And so, um, you know, in the middle of COVID, uh, I was going through a bunch of my dad's old files. You know, he, he was um, a third generation miner from this part of the world. And uh, he had some photos, including one, which it's remarkable. It's a photo looking outside of this ice tunnel. And the, um, uh, the, the, the story behind this property is called Solo, was the, uh, some prospectors in the 1930s were near uh, uh, an ice sheet on the top of a mountain in Alaska, uh, and found these spectacular seams of electrum, which is a gold and silver alloy. And so these veins must, it couldn't have come far because you're near the top of the mountain. So these crazy old timers were literally tunneling through the ice at the base of the glacier looking for the source of this gold. And it's uh, on our website, there's a, there's a, a story, it's called Glacier Gold. And so the really, really high grade electrum values that you get in the golden triangle are, uh, are typical for the world-class deposits that you see there. Eskay Creek, the early years of the premier mine. If you, if you go to the Science Museum in London, you can see spectacular electrum and sulfur salts, um, it, it just beautiful veins. And um, Bruce Jack, uh, which is actually, it's talk about family roots. That's named after my cousin and after my grandfather, super nuggety gold deposit known for these electrums. So they're tunneling and they actually ended up finding one of these veins pulled 330 ounces of gold out of 700 pounds of, uh, uh, of rock. And then they got the heck out of there. So the ice is long gone. And that's the original reason why we staked. So pivoting to now, as we started working in this area, an old timer who grew up in Hyder gave me some old files from the 1920s and 30s. One included a map for a property called Cantu. And it talked about two aerial tram lines, which I know the history really well. I didn't know about these. And multiple stack veins, including what they called the 100 foot wide vein. And I said, that's BS. Like, you know, I would have known, you know, that you could promote back in the 1920s 
uh, like you do today. So we flew over in a helicopter and there sitting in the cliff, there's a hundred foot wide quartz vein breccia, literally right across the border from Ascot's redevelopment of the premier gold project. You know, couldn't believe it. it's all rusty. You can see all the quartz and it's in a cliff. So uh, at the bottom of the cliff, and actually, you know, we have some pretty good climbing geologists that have worked for us. We found all this quartz with um, high grade mineralization, including it's a really important one is called polybasite. It's a copper silver um, uh, sulfur salt mineral and sampling, you know, plus thousand gram per ton silver and, and close to ounce per ton gold and, and high grade copper. So this has never been drilled. And so as I was looking at it, we're like, we have to drill this thing. This is, this is, this is incredible. It was one of these projects, despite great access next to a producing mine, just happens to have been missed. And why? Because it's in some, some pretty steep terrain. And so our, our plan is to go above the cliffs that host those high-grade gold and silver veins and, and drill some holes down. Okay. So you ask it on one side. So you go Canada. Want you, this is right literally on the, on the border, right? It's literally on the border. You can see the cut line. My crew is out there this weekend, right? And you, you know, you're you are literally, literally right across the border in in Canada on federal claims. If this is on if this is on Canadian soil, would it have been easier process for you? So in terms of the timeline, yeah, and it probably would have had a thousand drill holes and maybe even been mined out. <laughs> so true, it, you can rate flow through in, in uh, right in Canada, and it's like I I'm I'm still really surprised. If it wasn't for these old maps and this old timer, um, uh, I, I wouldn't have known about it. I probably drove past that uh, that mountain a hundred times, thinking that there was nothing there. Okay, so you, so I, I kind of want to kind of simplify the story here because I think last time I, I did a summary after we spoke, and I said that you know you're you're a good guy, smart guy, um, but you know what you've got, and you know what you've got to go and do, and in terms of finding new opportunities, it sounds like with the sampling that you did last year at Lake County, for example. Um, you know, you, you're, you're onto something, but the market hasn't reacted to it. And it's not just a case of, oh, the market's come off in the last five, six months. It's been, it's been a decline since, you know, pretty much since we spoke last year because of the permitting issues. So you've got, what permits have you got and what more will you need to get? Will there always be this kind of lag um, in the kind of permitting process for you? And will it kind of impinge on your ability to do things the way that you want to? Uh, it's, uh, I won't sugarcoat it, that it's, it's difficult on forest service lands in, in the United States. At Niblack, no, because now we have the permits in place. And this isn't unique to us. There's like, over on the Niblack side, there's a prospect called Dama that, uh, you know, has a famous intercept of 19 meters of 6% copper that was drilled in 1994. It has not been followed up since then. Why? It was took a long time to permit. And so uh, at Hyder, uh, the Hyder area properties at Cantu, you know, we submitted knowing that it takes a while our permit applications in late 2020. And uh, we are told that we might even get them this week. So once you have the permit, <coughs> excuse me. To do what? Permits mean what? I mean, like I say, there's, there's multiple permits companies have to get. So permit to do what? It, these are permits to uh, to drill. Okay. To drill and to cut um, helicopter pads, to um, cut line, to do geophysical 
sampling to make uh, a surface disturbance that is um, uh, larger than uh, than four acres. Right. And so this is this is the same pro, and it's a incredibly comprehensive review process, a really good process that uh, the U.S. Department of Interior does. So is this indicative of what uh, you could face during uh, for future mines? Absolutely. Like, you know, you, you, the, some challenges in, in, in Alaska, uh, such as Trilogy Metals, <coughs> and certainly Pebble is a whole different, different world, but it, it takes a while. It's like looking Idaho with a lot of these projects that, that have been, you know, years and years in the, in, in the permitting process. So, so how, do you, how do you get ahead of it? How do you get ahead of it? Okay. Because money, time, time's money. Um, you, I, do you know what? Let's, let's keep it simple. Just I can't tell you because you, you, you know, you, you, you're quoting some big numbers from the samples there, you know, 30, over 34 grams per ton of gold and over, you know, sort of 2,900 grams of silver and 5.8 of copper. It, you know, people sh will get excited about that. They're just samples, but, you know, never, nevertheless, the, the permit says, right, helicopter um, pads and you can drill and so, but give us the number of meters, um, you know, um, how, how many dollars, what's the time frame, and will it give you enough information to go and get the market excited about the potential of what you're doing or will you need to go and raise more money soon? Uh, so for, um, for, for Cantu, our plan would be to uh, drill uh, 2,000 meters and uh, will it get the market excited? That's why we drill the holes, man. You know, it's uh, if if you can make a new discovery, and in in the Golden Triangle, there are there are you know excellent recent examples of uh, of discoveries, particularly of similar systems. This looks to be a flat line breccia vein, which is um, typical for the my the the development projects at Premier for Ascot. Uh, if you're familiar with Goliath resources, they made a new discovery at something called Sherbet. It looks really, really similar to that, you know, flatline structures, similar sort of values that you see on, uh, on, on surface and was a recent discovery. So once the permits are in place, we are good for years and years to, to, uh, to, to keep on drilling. But it is, you know, it's, it's a similar story for, uh, for, for friends and colleagues that work in, uh, for for other companies work working on on federal lands, so you know it's also the opportunity. It's you you, you have to be patient, and uh, since many don't know how to work on in this type of uh, uh, these type of lands, is it's the reason why there's been no work done out here since the twenties and thirties. There's there's no retail investors that are patient. They don't exist. Um, so, so let's again. I want to focus on the in the junior world. In the junior yeah. world, right? So, um, okay. So we, we're going to kind of put Niblack um, kind of aside. You sort of know how you're going to pace forward with that one. Um, with with Kante, I'm going to start with Kante. So this hundred meter, um, uh, sorry, uh, so hundred foot vein. We, what, what's the kind of profile? What, well, what do you know of it? I mean, is it sort of sheeting? Dan, I mean, will you expect to find more of them? Because you, you've got limited data at the moment. So how do you go about doing the stuff that gets the market excited versus the stuff that says, well, actually, potentially, here's the scale of this thing going forward? So, uh, you know, we, we, we rely on a lot of really good quality um, uh, historical work. And, you know, it's if there's 
Uh, I love mining old data and old reports, particularly from the era of the 20s and 30s, because the geological descriptions were so well done and so detailed. So in the case of Cantu, it was a small-scale past producer of direct shipping ore. There were two veins that were accessed using aerial tram lines. Um, I'll be posting some photos shortly on our Twitter uh, uh, page where you can see where these cables go up. And then you can see the tunnels and the veins outcropping into cliffs, so they're stacked. They are shallowly dipping into the mountain and they are, you know, the, the, this, a similar orientation to the Big Missouri and Silver Coin mines that are currently, they're historic producers, but in redevelopment by Ascot. So you have this wealth of information on the Canadian side of the border, these snippets of historical information, and then what we can observe with, with our own eyes and, you know, myself with my experience from working in this, this area. So all of this gets worked together into, into a drill target. So you drill some holes in it and it is there. Does it pinch out? Does it get bigger? Uh, you, you don't know until you put it in, but I do tell you, they, you know, in, in fact, there's, I was just reading a cute newspaper story where the, the, the first year of production here, they would just take the boulders that had fallen off the cliff and direct ship those uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, to mills and smelters, no blasting required. Okay. Um, but, but let's talk about today, which is, um, you, you've got some idea of what's going on there. You've got some historic data. Do you, cause I say you guys are going to play this a, a, a certain way, right? So you can say, well, do we need to validate some of this historic data? Do we, Redrill holes? Do we twin holes? Do we actually just do our own um, targets and then wrap the old data around it um, to give a kind of bigger bigger view of what the potential is? I mean, how do you plan something like that? Because two thousand meters, I don't know how. I mean, how deep are these holes? How many holes will we be talking about here with two thousand meters? So, so there'll be, you know, uh, two to uh, uh, 400 meter holes. So they'll maybe be sick. And so let's just see what it looks like. Redrilling, this has never been drilled. There's been no modern work that has been done here or on any of the other properties. And there's tons of targets not whatsoever. One. Okay. Not one. Okay. So I thought that might, might be couple. So not one drill bit. So when you say you love all this historic data, it, it, it's of, of what nature? Sorry. Didn't kind of catch that. So it's from uh, old reports where they describe the nature of the veins and of the mineralogy and, you know, wits and, and that sort of important information. For example, I mentioned the polybasite, but these are hosted, and I'm not sure why, and there's a lot of barite, there's a lot of tin, there's some unusual elemental uh, um uh, compositions to the samples that we see in our samples that um, suggest that there is something really interesting. So, you know, the, the, it's similar to a bunch of the other prospects that we have uh, also in, in, in the Hyder area. These were really well-described historic reports, some from the 1990s, but most from the 20s, all by U.S. Department of Mine um, geologists. Right. And when does this, when does this program start? I guess after you've closed this, uh, non-brokered, um, raise that you've announced. 
Um, yes, correct. Well, we, we have crews on the ground now that are um, uh, uh, doing some further sampling. We also staked some more claims recently just to the south, another target called Mineral Hill. Um, again, finding some old data and some old maps of high-grade gold in, in, in veins in, uh, uh, in historic trenches. And so, you know, still doing a, a first pass recon um, and, um, uh, and working up some other prospects to, uh, to the drill-ready status in, in, in the Hyder area. And we should be uh, closing the, the, this financing imminently as, as uh, you know, tough markets and uh, chasing everybody to get their, their subs uh, subscription agreements in. But with a, a full unit deal, um, and giving the, the, uh, the cheap valuation for the company, you know, it, it's, it's been a hard sell, but it certainly hasn't been an impossible one. So I'm, I'm really grateful for the support of our, uh, uh, of our big and some, and, uh, new investors in this deal. Right. Like, like who's come in on this? Uh, so our, um, uh, our, our largest, uh, uh, institutional holder is, uh, is Delbrook Capital. Uh, there are several other, actually a lot of money has come out of Europe, uh, did some marketing just prior to the, um, to, uh, uh, to kind of things falling apart in, in the markets in late May. And so people love the story. They like me and my team and, um, you know, they, they, they like the discovery potential for, uh, for both, uh, the Hyder area properties and for Niblack. And they like our long-term vision for, uh, for, for hub and spoke. So is it a tough sell? Heck yeah, but is it um, is it a good deal for these investors coming in? Coming in, I believe it will be. So, I mean, obviously, there's not too many companies rushing to you know get into the market at the at the moment. But um, are there other options available to you in terms of capital if this if this market continues um, much longer? Um, oh, there's other things that can get into trouble, like converts and stuff like that. But you know, that's that's the nature of the junior business is you know, you, we will, of course, we'll have to go to the market again. We have other catalysts as well, too. We're, we're uh, um, updating our resource estimate. Uh, so we just had our independent QP, Gilles Arsenault was on site last week. And uh, so uh, we look to have that out uh, shortly. And we, we believe that will be a nice catalyst to, uh, to move things along as well. And uh, again, we're still you know, working on some of the corporate development stuff. So um, we hope that there could be another, you know, um, uh, um, uh, deal that would uh, allow us to, uh, uh, to raise more capital. Okay. And so is, are Crestcat still in this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're absolutely, they're, in fact, the biggest advocate for uh, the, the hub and spoke, number one. And number two, since uh, they were early investors into Goliath Resources, and it's such a similar story, is that, you know, in terms of priorities is to put some holes into Cantu because it looks so similar. Okay. And this is a generic question, right? So you, you referenced converts, convertible bonds. Um, I agree with you, by the way. Um, why do you say they can get you into trouble? Is it this stage of company, i.e. expiration companies that you feel I pre-revenue or is it the market or why, why do you say that, make that statement? So e e even if, um, if it's a, you know, very friendly and supportive shareholder is that the perception of having a convertible is that 
that you are going to get squeezed down the road. It, it road. It scares away investors. I, I absolutely think it should be a reasonable way for, particularly in in poor markets, for for junior companies to finance. But it's you know anything else such as debt or anything else like no way, man. You know it's yet it's through um, through the I- I- issuing of equity is how these things get funded. We don't cash flow. You can sell properties. You know, one op- if we do have some sc- success in the, the higher area properties, maybe we do um, something such as a spin up. You know, is it a fit with Niblack? Not really. You know, if, if the hub and spoke thing gets moving, is maybe we should spin that out and dividend it out either to shareholders or to the company. You know, that, that is um, uh, another way to fund. And so, um, but it's like like most other juniors out there you know we we you, you we're going to the well now and i can 100 percent guarantee we'll be doing it again in the future yeah well like, like i said you, you i prefer you being blunt and honest which, which you always have been um like, like i agree with you with regards to con, con, converts for pre-revenue or, you know if or even if revenue is um you know, even three years away, when you feel revenue be three years away, I think, I think it's problematic. Spinouts, again, I, I guess you have to see how the market reacts to a conversation like that one. But um, you've got to be nimble and agile, don't you? Um, like Rob, I, I just wanted to kind of dip in again and, and, and catch up with you because it has been 12 months and sort of see how you, you're getting along. Um, um, I guess the Hyder stuff is the, ex, the exciting new part to the story here and it's it better be freaking good, as you say. So I'll uh, I'll stay in touch. Okay. Right on. Sounds uh, sounds good, and uh, and they are good. They're spectacular, in fact. So we'll definitely be in touch, and and uh, uh, particularly after we make a new discovery.